So we're going to talk about Noah and the flood today, and I want to give you a little bit of background before we start this. Um, we have no idea when this happened. What? We're not going to do the kids thing. I didn't know the kids were going to be here, and I don't have it anymore. So, yeah, sorry. Um, wing it. No, 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 no. I don't want to wing it. Sorry. There's a boat. Yes, and yes. They probably know this story already. So, yeah. um, so again, we have no idea when this happened. Uh, you know, some people believe it was 33,000 BCE. Um, some people believe it was even longer than that, 7,500 BCE, that this could have happened. Um, but it's very likely that this flood event was was a real event. This actually happened. I know there's a lot of talk today uh, with people be- believing, and there has been for some time that this was a myth, right? Um, because it, it closely aligns with and came to, into being um, about six or 700 years after the story of Gilgamesh and the great flood of the Babylonians. Right? Um, that's, that's described in that particular story. And we also know Abraham, he actually grew up 20 miles away from where Gilgamesh um, was. So it's an interesting reality. He probably knew about this story and had heard it growing up. Um, but this, but um, but there were like there were localized flood events in those days. There were, and if you look back, 3,000, 2,500, 2,700 in that particular time frame, there were several localized flood events in Mesopotamia, which is where Abraham was was from, where they saw great devastation. Um, one, I think, I think it was 2,700 actually wiped out a city. Um, and, and, and so it's very possible that this flood was one of those events. It's important for us to recognize, though, um, it probably wasn't a worldwide one. There's no geographical you know, kind of proof that there was an event like that, even though we'd like to think about it. But the language itself in this particular passage may mean more the world that they knew rather than the entire globe. Right? And I don't think they were aware of the globe in the way we are today. And again, they weren't, they weren't scientifically minded. They didn't want to know all the details like we do. It was more, what do we learn about God? That's what this passage is trying to tell us, something about God, about man, and about the relationship between the two. The the other thing you need to know is that um, Noah was a real person. Um, He's not a myth either. Um, And there are many places in uh, in the Bible where it refers to Noah um, not as a myth but as a real person. Um, And there are verses in the Old and New Testament Um, that kind of state that to be true. I had a couple listed here. Um, So here in Isaiah 54, it says, to me, this is like the days of Noah when I swore that the waters of Noah would never again cover the earth. Right? These are passages where God and also where Jesus is speaking. And then the word of the Lord came to me. This is Ezekiel 14. Son of man, if a country sins against me by being unfaithful and I stretch out my hand against it to cut off its its food supply and send famine upon it and kill its people and their animals, even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they could save only themselves by their righteousness. And then in New Testament, there are a couple of passages. Matthew 24 says, um, and this is uh, right Jesus speaking, but about that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father, as it was in the days of Noah, so it shall be, Um, at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. 
and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. So those two things, keep in mind. So this isn't a myth, although although it doesn't read like we'd want it to. It doesn't tell all the facts that we'd be interested to because of the time that we live in, because of our culture today. But this is certainly a story that happened. Um, And this is a story that tells us more about God, right? That's what we're looking to learn from this. So I'm going to read passages of, this is a long story. It it covers three chapters of Genesis, right? So I'm only going to read parts of those passages, but it it tells a story as we go through this whole. So this is the story of of Noah Noah and the flood, right? So the Lord saw that the wickedness of humans was great in the earth and that every inclination or and thought of their heart was only evil continually and the lord was sorry that he had made humans on the earth and it grieved him to his heart so the lord said i will blot out from the earth the humans i've created people together with animals and creeping things and birds of the air for i'm sorry that i have made them but noah found favor in the sight of the lord Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation, and Noah walked with God. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence, and God saw that the earth was corrupt, and all the flesh corrupted in its its ways upon the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. Now I'm going to destroy them along with the earth. Make yourself an ark of cypress wood. And then he described how he wanted it made. And then he said to Noah, my, for my part, I'm going to bring the flood waters on the earth and destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you and you shall come into the ark. You, your sons, your wife, your sons' wives with you and all of the living things of all flesh you shall bring two of every kind into the ark to keep them alive with you, they shall be male and female. And Noah did this. He did all the Lord commanded him. Finally, the Lord said to him, by the way, that one verse, Lord, Noah did this. Some people think that did this was lasted for over 100 years. We can, we'll talk more about that, right? Interesting thought. But then the Lord said to Noah, go into the ark, you and your household, for I have sent, I've seen that you are a righteous man in this generation. For in seven days I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, and every living thing I made will be will blot out from the face uh, of the ground. And Noah did all the Lord had commanded him. So the flood came and continued 40 days on the earth, and the waters increased and bore up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. The waters swelled and increased gently on the earth, and the ark floated on the face of the waters. The water swelled so mightily on the earth that all the high mountains under the heavens were covered. The water swelled above the mountains, covering them about 20 feet deep. And all flesh died that moved on the earth. He blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground, human beings and animals and creeping things and birds of the air. And only Noah was left and those with him in the ark. And the water swelled in the earth, uh, on the earth for over 150 days. But God remembered Noah and the animals. God made the winds blow and the water subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of the heavens were closed. The rain from heaven stopped and the waters receded from the earth and the earth became dry. Then God said to Noah, go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing that is with you um, so that they may abound on the earth and be fruitful and multiply. 
And then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took up every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings to the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing odor, the Lord said in his heart, I will never curse the ground because of humans, for the inclination of the human heart is evil from youth, nor will I ever again destroy ever every living creature as I have done. That's the story of Noah and the flood. So I'm going to, I have a couple things I want to say, but before that, as you've listened to this story, and you, I know many of you know this story, it's not a new one for us. What do you learn about God and about Noah from the story of Noah and the flood? Just talk with people around your table. So there's another question I want you to consider too in this. Um, because I did talk a little bit about it. There's something about God being the God of life in this. So how do you see God as a, the um, God of life in this passage? Thanks. So um, let's share a little bit as a large group. What do we learn about God and Noah from this passage? You can share the obvious or even things that you hadn't seen before too. And we're going to share on the microphone so people online can hear. time that he used the same phrase, be fruitful and multiply, that he used in the creation story. So it's like a, a recreation, bringing life, preserving life, uh, recreating life, renewing. I'm very struck by the invitation God extends to Noah to be a co-creator with him to create this incredibly magnificent ark, which takes all this engineering, all of human creativity, and then to be uh, the, the husbanding of all the animals. seems like human violence was kind of the tipping point for God. And we get that a little bit in the story of Cain and Abel. But of all the flaws of humanity, it's violence that seems to most offend God, or that he calls out in, um, in the reasoning why he wants to, why he regrets yeah. making humans. What a sad statement. Yeah, yeah. Anyone else? He makes covenant. He makes covenant with Noah. Um, and you start to see that throughout the scriptures. God yep. of covenant. Yep. <coughs> God has something for boats, okay, because Jesus was a fisherman. It says, yeah. Well, one thing I find encouraging about... about Wait, <laughs> got to use the mic. Sorry. 
One thing I find encouraging about this passage is that um, you know at the at the end of the story we're promised new life, of course, and that seems to be characteristic of the biblical redemptive narrative as a whole. I mean, you you get judgment, but yet judgment seems to always be attached to redemption. And I, I find that very encouraging. Thanks. Well, I, I'm not going to do nearly as good as you guys did on my observations, but, but I do want to share a little bit of what I saw. And I'm going to try to stick to some of the more traditional things, just because I'm, I was trying to think of what would the people in the day have learned about God um, as they listened to this story and as they talked about it over time. Um, the, the first thing that I saw, and I don't have any uh, overheads on this, is that God is, they, they may have recognized the character of God, his, his, his defining characteristic that God is holy. And they, and they would have seen it in his response to the evil, right, of the people. Um, with, you know, the Bible project, I like this, described holiness like this. He, they say it's a term used in the Bible to describe how God's goodness and his, about both God's goodness and his power it's, it is completely unique and utterly all-powerful, radiating from God-like energy. Right? So there's this idea that, um, and this, that God's holiness is, a, is, a, and is demonstrated in his goodness. Um, and we see, this in God, we see this in this passage in God's response to the evil right, and corruptness of humans. Um, we know God created, um, right, and his creation was good. That's what he said about it. Another way of saying it, that it was, it was sacred or set apart for his purposes to be holy and reflect his goodness and power. And so humans, too, were created as sacred beings. Um, we were created um, to reflect the goodness and, and power of God, right? Um, and, that, that, and, and what happened, though, in, Ju in Genesis 6 is we find that humans had decided to, to do their own thing and had become evil in God's sight. Um, and it was described as, as, um, uh, as Scott described it, it was the, it was violence. That was the tipping point, right? Violence, um, in the Hebrew word in this is defined as cruelty, damage, falseness, injustice, oppression, unrighteousness, and violence against others, right? That's kind of this idea. Um, uh, and, um, and it says even more that because of the evil of man, the earth was corrupt. And the word corrupt in Hebrew means spoiled or marred or broken, right? That's, that's something when you think about it. God's beautiful creation was distorted and even marred and broken by the evil of men, by, by men's choices. All life was impacted and marred. I, I think when I think about an example of this, my favorite is to think about how, how Tolkien in The Lord of the Rings had this idea of that, that evil per, perverted goodness in Middle Earth, right? And so you, one of the best examples is elves were perverted, right? And turned from good and truth to evil and became orcs, right? For whom life was of little value and all they sought was um, kind of ruin and destruction everywhere they went. Or, or, or the impact that evil has on people, even when it's not something you perpetrate, but it's perpetrated against you, right? Ellie Weissel in his famous book, Night, describes like this is his most famous one of his most famous quotes from the book the impact that being in a concentration camp had on him right and this is the quote he said never shall i forget that night 
the first night in camp that turned my life into one long night, seven times sealed. Never shall I forget that smoke. Never shall I forget the small faces of the children whose bodies I saw transformed into smoke under a silent sky. Never shall I forget the flames that consumed my faith forever. Never shall I forget the nocturnal silence that deprived me for all eternity of the desire to live. Never shall I forget those moments that butchered my God and my soul and turned my dreams to ashes. Never shall I forget those things even where where I condemned to live as long as God himself. Never. Never. Yeah. See, impact of evil is it, it, it breaks, it traumatizes, and in many ways corrupts the goodness of God and all of his creation. My wife asked the question, why did God not just kill the people? Why did he kill all the animals too? Right? They were corrupted by the evil of men as well. Right? I, I think another way to look at it is to compare good and evil and understand that the only standard of goodness we have is God, because right? no one else is really good. So no standard of evil can exist without reference to God's goodness. God alone embodies and defines good. All good is measured against him. Right? Um, and evil, and by the way, this is, this is kind of my reiteration of an article that I read online. I didn't come up with all this myself, although these are my words. Right? Evil is not the opposite of good. It's not like there's a yin and yang, like balance and evil. They kind of, they, you know, evil and good, they balance each other out. It's not that idea we need, you know. The idea is that um, in this passage it said God was grieved because every thought of their hearts was evil. Evil um, comes out of the hearts of men, right? And um, like in the fall, evil came out of, out of Satan. And evil acts first begin um, against God in our hearts, in our corrupt hearts. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Evil begins as a choice of our wills, and it's from our hearts. It is, uh, and it corrupts, right? We conceive it in our hearts, we conceive it, and then we act it out. And it doesn't, but, but good, good originates from God, evil doesn't. That's why they're not opposites, right? Our evil is not the opposite of God's good, although it stands opposed to it, right, and against it. And another difference is evil is temporary and good is eternal. If you think about it, evil will only exist as long as earth exists, and when a day comes when there is a new heavens and a new earth will be without evil and, and or sin and its curse and the violence and death and destruction that it brings. Um, there will be no more rebellion or selfishness or lack of love uh, because we'll be in God's presence. I, I, I was thinking about this and wondering if, if evil burns itself in our hearts when God is absent from it. Because there's no, there's no true good there in order to influence and affect us and show us the way. Um, it, it, evil will end when the earth does and God creates a new heaven and earth where he exists with us, right, all the time. Um, it's kind of an interesting thing to think about. So, so the first thing I think people would recognize if they talked about this a lot of time is God's extreme response to evil was in part because of who he is, his, his character, his holiness, his goodness, right? The second thing I think they'd see in this passage is God's justness in all of it, right? God, God, I mean, God is right. He's the creator, he was, and it said he was sorry that he had created human beings because of their evil and the corruption they brought upon the earth. Uh, he, he recognized that it was wrong, um, and he was greatly disappointed 
um, that he, you know, he had given life to these and made these these beings sacred, right? Set apart for good things, uh, for for his holy purposes. But instead, they choose evil, violence, their own selfish desires. You know, one of the things that should and it doesn't always, and that's a problem that we have. Christianity is supposed to separate us from other belief systems, from other religions, because we believe that all life has intrinsic value, right? We, have, we believe all life has intrinsic value. Why? Because we believe all life was created in the image of God. All life is sacred. All life is set apart by him with a purpose. Man was created by God for relationship with him and each other to steward his creation in, in love and in goodness and holiness, right? Um, and it means that no one is more special or less special, more valuable or less valuable than anyone else. That gender, ethnic heritage, the color of our skin, our sexual orientation, our economic or educational status, nothing should make us more or less valuable. Um, But this hasn't always been true for us in the church, and it's even less true in the world if we look around. You know, I, I think when I see the violence in the world today, I wonder, like, how could it have been any more violent back in the days of Noah? Could it have been any worse than what we see? Although maybe we see a mix that they didn't see at the particular time. I mean, I think about, like, if you look at recent statistics, and this is just within the past week, the war in Ukraine so far has killed and wounded over 300,000, right? In Myanmar, two, you know, a couple days ago, 20 people were killed, just shot dead in a monastery. They don't still know the reason behind it. Um, and each year, um, the leading cause of death in the world is violence. 1.6 million people die because of violence on earth. Um, there's a lot of evil, right, in this world. There's a lot of marring and corruption of the image of God in creation. Um, and you understand why God, I mean, when I think about this, I understand why God regretted his creation, why he was sorry and rude. He kind of, it's the, the word is to, to be sorry, to rue, to suffer grief, to repent of one's own doings. Like God was repenting to himself that he'd actually created. Man, that's crazy and scary when you think about it. Um, and yet he's just, right? So he recognizes the, the evil in people, but he also saw the righteousness in Noah. He called it out, right? Um, because Noah was righteous and blameless, because Noah walked with God, he found favor with God and experienced his grace. By the way, when we, we'll talk about that in a minute. But, um, but I, I see in this some way God, God is the one who controls life, right? He gives it, right? He blesses it, and he ends it. All of it's in his control. All of it's in his hands, right? And he's the one who gives, is meant to give life purpose. So God is holy, God is just, and God... I don't know how I put this, but God keeps his promises, right? He's a covenantal God, you could put in another way. He promised he would destroy the earth with rain, 40 days of rain, 20 feet deep, over the tallest mountains, everything's dead. But he also promised that he would save Noah and his family and make a covenant with them, right? And he did. He helped Noah, and Noah built an ark and was saved. And then what do we learn about Noah? I'll just talk about these. He was righteous and blameless, right? Innocent, not evil in his heart. His desires were good. He was complete, whole, and healthy. Blameless is the opposite of corrupt. If you think about it, he was not marred by sin. Um, uh, and um, 
He found favor in God's sight. He was recognized. We would call favor today from God unmerited grace, although it seems like Noah's grace was merited because of his actions, um, being righteous and blameless. Um, And then he was obedient to God. There's a belief that it probably took 100 years for him to build an ark. Think about how would be that persistent that long and continue to do that. I know there's a lot of talk, and we, we've heard this story before. All oh, the people made fun of Noah. There's no proof that that happened. That's nowhere in Scripture, right? But people talk about it. But, but you see, but it's something that we assume happens. Oh, this crazy man builds this big boat in the middle of the land thinking, and we're like, what's wrong with you? Why are you doing this? Again, there's so little of this story that we actually know. It's not that important for us. But what's important um, is that God is holy, God is just, God keeps his promises, and Noah was blameless and righteous. He was an obedient man who walked with God. He he built the ark. He collected two of every animal. He went with his family and the animals on the ark seven days ahead before the rain came. And he stayed on the ark until the Lord told him to come out, which they uh, calculate to be exactly one year after the date that the ark was closed. And they got on it. It's crazy, right? that um, he was faithful uh, and obedient to God. Um, The one thing you might notice about um, Noah is that his salvation depended on his own actions. He had to build an ark. But you know what? That's actually true for us too. We don't think about this because the word word salvation, and I'm thinking Greek, not Hebrew, um, the word salvation in in, uh, Greek... um, and the word uh, saved, healed, delivered, or sozo actually has different t- tenses, okay? And they all matter, right? Um, so there's the, there's the past tense, right? Um, let me read this one. We are saved, justified, past tense, salvation, delivered from sin's penalty. There's, there's we are being saved or sanctified, present tense, delivered from sin's power and corruption, and we will be saved or glorified, future tense salvation, delivered from sin's presence in God's glory. So at no point did, from what we, I've, I've heard, even back in Jesus' day, did people think of salvation as a one-and-done thing. It was an ongoing reality that everyone needs to experience. And we need that too, right? Don't we need to... Um, we are not only forgiven for our past, our past sins by the blood of the Lamb, we are called to live out our salvation in the present, to flee temptation and sin, staying connected to God, to love one another, to share the good news. It's kind of an ongoing thing. And as we do that, we are delivered from, from sin's power and corruption, right? And one day we will be saved. One day we will, when we pass from this life into the next one, be delivered in the glory and be with God. That's an awful lot, Right? So here's what I want to do now. I want us to take the next, we're, the next 10 or 20 minutes, we're going to talk about, the, about two more questions. Actually, there's three, but the last one's kind of a wrap-up. Do you have those? You could put them up. Okay. Um, so my first thought is, you know, uh, this is my, I'm reading this story, and I'm thinking, how would someone today read this? Oh, it's God genocide. He just wiped out all these people, Right. Right? Think about it from that perspective. So how would you explain this story and what we learn about God from it to people seeking God in the light of how such things are viewed today? I'm going to give you a... a um, Lori, if you could pass those papers around that are on the table there. Give one to each table. I have an extra one here. So there's, there's some more in there. The second question is, 
um, and these are on the sheets. Um, what is our response to the evil we see in the world around us? Oh, no, that's not the right question. That's question, th oh yeah, okay, it's there. Okay, I didn't see that. Um, and the third question is, where do we see hope in this story? So the second question is, um, what is our response to the evil we see in the world around us? And my kind of, oh, tongue-in-cheek question is, do we separate ourselves from the evil, evil of the world, build an ark so that we can be saved? Right? And are there ways the church leans in this direction today, or is there another option? Um, and then the last one is, how do we, or where do we find hope in this story? Okay, so there are three questions. We're going to spend a little bit of time discussing those. And if I feel like it, we'll have some time to talk about that as a whole group, okay? So why don't you start with the first question? Here we go. How would you explain this story and what we learn about God from it to people seeking God in the light of how such things are viewed today? So how would you explain this story to someone who doesn't, know Jesus or understand the background of it. Anybody want to take a shot? Yeah, you know what? There, we're not going to critique you. This is great. Thanks for being brave. Yeah. Well, I did have a thought when you had said, how can, how can God's actions be so extreme in what he did in light of our evil wickedness? But I felt like my gut reaction was like, like, how can we be so extreme in our sin in light of God's goodness? Like, why is the extreme side on his part? And why isn't, like, huh. feels like not taking responsibility for our actions. So, hmm. um, I don't know if that, I guess I was tying that in with, like, um, what, how do we say it? Um, like, yeah, just, like, where's the focus of, who's doing something wrong, or it's like thinking that God isn't just in doing this, thinking that we're somehow not responsible for our actions. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that we are just and he's not. That's good. Doug, did you want to? I, I don't really want to. This is a, this is a difficult, this is a difficult thing. Lori has a more positive view, so maybe you can add, she'll share as well, but as far as actually, I'm, I'm thinking of a neighbor of mine who's the typical Madison intellectual atheist, and um, that we're friends. And and how would he respond to this story? And I think one thing I would try to focus on is that people today are are very angry with people that they don't agree with, and they see them as evil. And if they, if they had the power, they would just wipe them out. So I, I'm thinking that I would, I would try to start from that point, but I haven't really flushed it out. I'm so I was thinking about just um, that Noah, we only know a few things about him. And one of them that Peter was saying, righteous and blameless, but um, he walked with God. And so I think that that piece, and they, even there's a talk of the spirit and how the spirit left some people. So I think the idea that we walk with God and, and in that obedience built the ark and did the different things. So there's something about walking with God and then you have access to building the ark and being saved. So that's what I was thinking. Thank you. <coughs> Thank you. 
So we, we can think about this uh, as God sort of differentially uh, punishing one segment over another. Or we can think about it as God was justified in wiping out everybody and he, in fact, was showing mercy <coughs> by saving a few. So if you focus on the destruction, uh, you're really missing, and maybe this is what Gloria was saying, and maybe what you said, but you're missing out on the grace and mercy part. Hmm. Thanks, Tom. Do you want to say anything, Scott? You guys have it's director of missions for university. God had this dream about a shalom society, a dominion of peace, where God lived amongst God's creation and everything was harmonious and we broke his heart. There was a way in which this dream of uh, the beauty of society was destroyed by our own disobedience. And some kind of desire to, um, I don't know, introduce this idea of cleansing or washing. You know, water is a real life source in a lot of ways. And so maybe simply uh, I would talk about the broken heart of God for a shalom society that never got realized or that got destroyed by us. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Thank you. Why don't, yeah, and the, the, uh, this is good, right? Let's go on to the next question. Um, so what is our response to the evil we see in the world around us that kind of came out of this? Why don't you talk a little bit about that as well as this, the last question, where do we see hope in this story? Go and talk about that around your tables. I want to I help you a little bit with this one. I'm not asking what should we do. I'm asking what do we do? Okay, that's different sometimes, right? You can talk about both if you want to, but. I, I know that wasn't enough time, but what is our response to the evil we see in the world, actual response? You can also say what you wish it was as well. Is anyone at this table? All right. Well, I think there's, in a good way, there's, like lament and prayer and you know trying to take steps through like nonprofit organizations and programs like trying to like bring kingdom into the evil that we see around us um, and then on the other hand it like overwhelms us and we just feel like we can't do anything or we join it you know with our materialism or our yeah. judginess or whatever you know yeah yeah thanks Do you want us to say more? Sometimes we're crushed by it. You know, it's a real thing to, to yeah. be acted upon by yep. evil. I mean, it, it crushes us for a while. Yeah. Yeah. We we are traumatized by it. We are victims of it, right? Ourselves. Yeah. Of course, that helps us understand how other people feel as well. 
who are impacted by evil. Anyone else? You can have. Say how. We try to separate ourselves from evil by retreating from the world or only only participating in Christian things with other Christian people and hoping to keep the evil away from our kids or ourselves. Um, trying to, yeah, like the church sometimes is not active in the community and if people want to get saved they have to come to us kind of thing, not having an impact. Sometimes you see well, how how is it possible that there's so many churches in the city having so little impact on the culture? You've got to wonder. I think our response to evil always has to be uh, responding with love, as Jesus says, to love. God with all our heart, mind, and spirit and our neighbor as ourself. It always has to be grounded in a transforming love and connection with one another and with our neighbors. And I think that's you know, that's that it can never be just retreat and separation. Yeah. It has to be engagement and love. Yeah. Last comment. And just following up on what Eric said, um, we, we recognize that people are in darkness. If they don't have the Lord, they're, they're in darkness. And why wouldn't they do the evil that they do? And, and so it's not a sense of uh, surprise or horror, but we, we kind of expect evil. And we, as Eric said, then we want to respond in love. Okay, thanks. So how is there hope in this story? I think you guys talked about it earlier. I, I, I see hope in this story. In the end, God didn't want. He had a vision for His creation, right? A sacred shalom experience, a, a true union. And even though that isn't a reality in a lot of places, because of the fact that evil still exists in the world, that is possible because of God and His provision, right? He provided the ark for Noah, even though Noah needed to build it, and he provides the church and Jesus for us, right? which is that union between us is meant to be a place where we experience the love of God and hope, and that this is supposed to be the shalom community that God uh, envisioned, right? We have that ability because of, because of God and also because the Holy Spirit lives within us. Um, does anyone else want to say anything about that before we close? I wanted to make sure we got done around noon. I have a few announcements, but do you want to grab that? All right. We didn't really get to the other part of the story where we see what a screwed up guy Noah really is. Yeah. <laughs> but there's hope in that for me. Yeah. Like Noah's um, brokenness that oozes out in the second part of that story doesn't disqualify him from the grace of God. He, make, he, he plants a vine, grows grapes, makes great, uh, wine and gets drunk, right? And makes a fool out of himself, yeah. 
Yeah, there is hope in that too. So, well, let me pray. Um, you want to say something, Penny? Feel free. Sometimes we we make it we make this this story about you know we get to home base, we get on our ark, you know we're safe, you know. But God is keeps calling us into the into choices with Him, into the co-creation part. And I really think we have to just understand that is is a real dynamic of moving forward. Of we can always choose love. We can always choose to cooperate with God. It, it isn't just about what happened to us. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Thank you. So Jesus, we um, we do pray as we learn more about who you are and who we are and your vision for our community that you would help us move forward in love together. Um, not become insulated or isolated, but but reach out in love to those around us. Um, and God, with your love, um, even as we face it, overcome the evil in us and in the world around us. Jesus, help us, we pray. In your name, amen. <laughs>